You are listening to King Jesus Radio. The official podcast of New Living Way Church. You can also find us on YouTube under New Living Way Church Downey. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Amen, amen. So let's go to Acts chapter 6, and we're going to read. We're going to go through verse 11 through 15 tonight, and we're going to continue to read this here. Amen? So it says here, Then they secretly instigated men who said, When we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Amen. So there's that key word right there. Saw and what does it say? And it says that saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So that's the continuation of that word of the key words today that we're studying tonight. And it's it's amazing because we were talking about this last week, how you know, many times, you know, you're you're in an argument or in a discussion, and someone has that upper hand on us and we really don't know how to respond to that. We we don't know how to react to that. It's like our backs are pushing against the wall. We realize we have no comeback. We have nothing else to say. And it's like I shared last week, you know, when we were kids or younger, even even as we're older a little bit, you know, as guys, you know, we would the one thing we would always do is, well, your mom, you know, it was like, you know, this was our only other way to kind of hit somebody. And so right here, we're seeing the response to all that was being done through Stephen and everything that was being done out here. And now we're seeing a response in this and we're seeing their actions and what's being done and how the words are being twisted here. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, many times it's, we have to be careful with our words. You know, how, I mean, have you ever had that happen that words are twisted from that's not really what you were saying, but it was able to be used against you? Accusations, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I believe we've all been there, you know. You know, one of the one of the biggest things I see that in is in text message. Oh, yeah. yeah. Text messages are just so hard to really fully grab the emotion and really grab what somebody's trying to say. You know, there's been many times I read a text message and I read so far into it. Like, well, what's up with this person, man? Is everything all right? You know, <laughs> it's like, or even with me and you, you might send me a text. I'm like, what does that mean? You know? <laughs> And we try to send an emoji or we try to send an LOL or something just to kind of put an emotion to there. But the reality of it is our mind is we'll look at it differently. We'll, we'll look into words and misinterpret words. Create scenarios. Yeah, definitely create scenarios and stuff like that. And the other day I received the text and I was like, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to call this person because I'm I'm. Uh, I'm, you know, my mind is, you know, I'm not quite understanding this and I'm thinking something different. So I made the phone call and it was, of course, it wasn't anything that I thought. And uh, it was, it was nice, you know, was sometimes we just got to pick up that phone and just call and, and kind of clarify what's going on. So, you know, like that, you have the peace in your heart and you're not wondering back and forth, hey, what's going on here? You know, and this, this actually reminds me of when I was, when we had just got saved and, and uh, you know, this was early on. Um, you know, and I remember that I came to a, a men's breakfast and I remember that I was so excited because um, it was actually, you know, a pastor that was here. I hadn't seen anybody preach like this brother, um, you know, but at that time it was just, you know, it was like very impactful for me because he really talked about 
what it was to be a man, to be a man of God, broke down some things according to scripture. And I really looked at it and I was really excited. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like I was like, I saw things so much more different, you know, because I was so used to what being told what a man is and different things like that. But to hear it according to how God teaches how to be a man and different things like that. I remember that I was, you know, so excited that I went home. Well, actually, we didn't go home. We went to someone's house and I started to share about what I had learned that morning. You know, I remember I started to share about, you know, oh, you know, uh, you know, this and that about what God says about a man and all these different things. And I remember the person's like, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. All right. And all of a sudden he calls out his, you know, the, his, his wife and, you know, mm -hmm. he's like, see, even God says, you know, we are the man and we are in control and we, <laughs> we rule everything. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I was. <laughs> he was like, you know, just dominating and using. But what he did is he mm -hmm. took the words that I, that I shared with him mm -hmm. and, and he twisted them and he used them for what he wanted to hear and what he wanted to say and what he wanted to back up. What was going to work for him. What was going to work for him. And I remember I felt so small because I felt like, man, God, that I, you know, I didn't see it. But what I really had to understand was is I was going to someone who really, I was, I didn't, I barely understood it. And I still don't understand all of it. But I was going to someone who wasn't in the same thought process, who didn't, doesn't know God and was, of course, only going to hear what they wanted to hear. And therefore, the words got twisted and was used against me. And, you know, because, I mean, that woman was looking at me like, really? You know, like, this is what you came to preach? I'm like, you're one of those. Oh, yeah, you're one of those, you know? And I'm just like, oh, man, I felt really bad. But I learned from there that be careful who you share with. Be careful who you're sharing what you've learned and different things in that. Because as excited and as amazing as it is for me and you, but... Many times you got to realize if, if someone's not in the Lord and doesn't have the Holy Spirit to help them to witness to what is being said, it could get twisted. And, and sometimes it could be discouraging because, you know, you're talking to somebody and you want them to get it. But they're just looking at you like, oh, OK, that's that's good for you. I'm glad that works for you. you yeah. know? And it's like, well, all right. You know, or they can take it for what they want to hear. And you may think that, oh, man, they're really they're, they're understanding it. But then later on, you find out, I didn't understand it. Yeah. yeah, it was lost in translation. It was lost in translation. And this is where you'll get a lot of people. Oh, well, I can live however I want. And God loves me, you know, and this and that. And let me wrong. God still loves you. But they misinterpret the forgiveness mm -hmm. and the repentance. And again, because someone who is without, you know, even, even as a Christian sometimes. But we got to realize that our words can be twisted. And so right here, we see that in the scripture. This is what we're really seeing. We're going to see some things being twisted, but we're going to see some things that it's kind of like, what, what's going on here? Like you guys preach and teach this, but yet your actions are different. So this is what we're looking at today, how some words are being twisted, how some words are going to be used against this man of God, Stephen. Yeah. But how God is also in control of it all, though. So it wasn't a mistake because even in that God still taught me something through that. It was a learning experience for me. I really got to see something more through that. And I was like, I was like, all right, Lord, thank you for that because I learned a lot more through that. You that's know, good. that's you know sometimes you have to be put in that place, that challenging place, like what? Yeah, exactly. It's always learning. It's it's the learning curve, you know, and and, and I love that. So always know, don't don't ever get too down on yourself or you know, it's yeah. like 
hey, okay, God. Mom. And don't shrink back and not want to share because it doesn't happen all the time. It's just those moments where you just don't know where it's going to hit you from. Amen. I like that what you said. Don't stop sharing, though. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we stop sharing. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's just but be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the conversation that we actually start to listen to the person and, and, and watch who we're speaking to so we can also know how to share with that person. You know, and that's the Holy Spirit that yeah. you know, teaches us through that. And many times you don't even realize, but you could be ministering to somebody, just talking to them, and you don't even know that God is using you and speaking through you. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That was a good timing on that, Sister Amber. That amen just came in like that. <laughs> so praise God. So we're going to go and look at this scripture here. And we're in the, and we're going to go look at verse 11 here. We're going to break this down a little bit here. And I want us to see here in verse 11, it says, then they secretly instigated men who said, okay? So we're going to stop there real quick. I, I want to stop there real quick. And that secretly instigated is kind of one word in itself. But I want us to look at what this means here. So when they secretly instigated men who said, they basically got some men to come to come in agreement on this. And what this is saying, you have something that reads a little bit different. Yeah. Then oh. to attack him another way, they secretly instructed men to say. Oh, to attack him in another way. I like that. That's the amplified version. So to attack him in another way. So, wow, that's that's really good. They're finding, remember, we're talking about they're using another angle. How can I come back at this? So this is how they do it. So that secretly instigated is basically to instruct privately, to instigate, to bribe or induce someone unlawfully or secretly to perform some misdeed or commit a crime. And that word induce is to move by persuasion. All right. So this might sound a little familiar. I mean, you know, this is some things that are being done in the background. These are some things that have a purpose. And, uh, and also here, to move by pers persuasion or influence. And how many of us know that this is what these people had? They were, they were believed, you know, they follow God. They were, they were very zealous for God. These are the freed men. These are the ones from Alexandria and Cilicia, the ones we're talking about, that Paul was most likely in this group. And so we see these things happening. And now, so these are men that have a good backing, but these men are using that in the wrong way. And they're using this to now get their way because it says that they secretly instigated. They were looking, this was unlawful basically. And it was a secretly thing done to perform some misdeed or commit a crime. What's being done here is what I want us to realize is this is unlawful. Not just in the world, but it's unlawful against God. And think about it this way. These are men that follow the law of God. But yet here we see that in this word secretly instigated, they're breaking the law of God. And in, in another way, it puts it here to induce a person, especially a witness to give false testimony. And this is what's being done. It's to induce a person, especially a witness, to give false testimony. And this they're giving false testimony. Another way of putting it was to introduce by collusion. Now, I didn't really know what that word collusion meant. I knew a collision meant, but I didn't know what collusion meant. So I had to look this up. Introduced by collusion, a secret agreement or cooperation, especially for an illegal or a deceitful purpose. Okay? So this is what's being done. This is a secret agreement, and it's a cooperation to bring about an illegal and deceitful purpose. So when it says secretly instigated, this is what they're doing with these men. This is what they're using these men to do. And there's a plot and there's a purpose here of what they're looking to do. So let's 
Look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. I want us to see some things here. We're going to lay out some scriptures because I want us to realize that there's some laws being broken here. Okay, so I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Okay. So Exodus 20, 16. Correct. You shall not testify falsely, that is, lie, withhold, or manipulate the truth against your neighbor or any person. So that is one of the Ten Commandments. Yes. You shall not bear false testimony. And yet we're seeing here that they're asking these men to do so. Mm -hmm. Therefore, breaking the law. So they, these men are so desperate that they're willing to break the law that they're zealous for. Just to get their way because they're feeling threatened. Their way of life, their custom, their tradition, all that they believe. But this isn't, the law is not a custom or tradition. Yeah. It's life. It is the law of God. But we see them breaking this just in these small words and everything that is being done. Okay, so let's now go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40. Matthew 22. We're going to be in Matthew a lot today. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40. And Letty's going to read this one here. Now, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced most of the Sadducees, they gathered together. One of them, a lawyer. An expert in the Mosaic law asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, that is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for the others. The whole law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commandments. So imagine this. Jesus sums up the, all the, the law in these mm -hmm. two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in this, we look at the Old Testament. We see the law, the Ten Commandments. But then we see here the law, but we see summed up in how Jesus places it. But how many of us know to bear false witness is to go against your neighbor? So to love your neighbor would be not to bear false witness. So they are not, not, they're breaking the law not only in the Ten Commandments, but they're breaking the law according to how Jesus says it and how Jesus is giving the commandment to follow that we shall love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And we see this here, that this is not showing the love for the neighbor. Okay, so now let's go to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 17 through 20. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Do not think that I came to do away with or undo the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of the pen will pass from the law until all things which it foreshadows are accomplished. So whoever breaks one of these important, one of these this important, these commandments, and teaches others to do the same, will be called least important in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches them, he will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness, your uprightness, your moral essence is more than that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. So right here, they're talking, he's talking about, I didn't come to, uh, to put away the law. No, I came to fulfill it. How many of us know that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law? Yes. The law never went away. But the law is now fulfilled in Christ Jesus because he is perfect and he is sinless. And he came to fulfill that law. So therefore, by us, when we break the law, 
Therefore, we can come to him for forgiveness and salvation. And when we repent, then all of a sudden we become whole and righteous because we become whole and righteous in him and therefore fulfilling the law. But the law is fulfilled in Christ Jesus because me and you know that's why Jesus needed to come because we couldn't live by the law. We broke the law. So we're not pointing fingers here. But what we are doing is we're bringing to the light and looking at these are men. These are people who were teaching the law. But yet we see their need for Jesus and we see how they're just as guilty as anyone else. Because let's look at James chapter 2, verse 8 through 13. James chapter 2, verse 8 through 13. If, however, you are really fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, if you have an unselfish concern for others and do the things for their benefit, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, prejudice, favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as offenders. For whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become guilty of transgressing the entire law. Okay, so we have two more, right? Yeah, we're going to keep going all of it. For, I'm going to read out 11 again. For he said, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you have become guilty of transgressing the entire law. Speak and act consistently as people who are going to be judged by the law of liberty that moral law that frees obedient Christians from the bondage of sin. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy, but to the one that has shown mercy, mercy triumphs victoriously over judgment. Wow. So we, there's a lot in here, and we read that, but it's basically saying if you break one of the laws, then break you break them all. You're, you're guilty of them all. And But at the same time, he says, but we live by mercy. We live by the freedom of, of uh, you know, we have that, that liberty because we're in Christ Jesus. But at the same time, for those who judge according to the law without mercy, they too will also be judged accordingly. So we need to be careful with that. And these men here that are bringing this about are falling into this category. And this is where it's, it's a dangerous place. Even as us as Christians today, we can, we can fall in this category sometimes, becoming very self-righteous. You know, and one of the things we got to remember is what makes me and you a Christian is, is that we believe in Christ Jesus. We believe in all that he has done for us and how he is the fulfillment of the law. And he is holy and he is righteous, but it's all him. It's not me and you. And though we may fall short and though we may fall in some places, but one of the things we don't want to fall in into a place of self-righteousness, mm -hmm. you know, because that can be a very dangerous place. Because when we look at a lot of the Bible, Jesus spoke to a lot of those that were self-righteous. You know, and this can be a very dangerous place. And right here, we're seeing this taking place and how they're guilty and they're showing it through their actions and through their fruits. So I wrote here, they're showing in their actions they're guilty. They're using their own self-righteousness and religion to try to defend what they could not understand. Okay, what they could not understand. I want to look at something here on Matthew Chapter 12, verse 42. I'm just going to read this real quick. It says here, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. 
So imagine that he's telling them something greater than Solomon is here. And that is the presence of God. That is the presence of Jesus. This is the son of God who is now here that is greater than any wisdom. <clears throat> and don't get me wrong. You know, maybe they have the right heart. I, I get it. You know, they, they, they love the law and, you know, they're very zealous for God. But they just weren't willing to receive Jesus, who is the Messiah, who's the fulfillment of these scriptures. And so we're seeing this this reaction of all this and it's just it's an ugly place to really be in it is you does know? that display i mean does that show that they're saying that they follow and not only do they follow we know they do but the fact that they don't believe that they were willing to accuse because they're willing to get witnesses to testify about this man against god the one who they say they're so righteous for so i don't mm. know well, something about that. it can be something today as, as you know, we can have much head knowledge. We can know so many scriptures, but if it's not here in our heart, then it's not going to cause a change. Then there's not going to be. So that's their frustration and their anger. That, that they really don't. It's not in their heart. It's not in their heart. And this is what, you know, because if it's in your heart, then it's going to the Holy Spirit, the word of God is going to convict me in you. And this is why it's so important for us today to make sure that the word of God is in our heart, that it changes us. And therefore, we can know that what's right and wrong and we can be convicted. Don't get me wrong. We all fall short. We may fall into places like this at times. But, you know, reality of it is, is that because we got to look at this. We're not just looking at us as also, you know, aligning us ourselves up with Stephen. But we also got to put ourselves in a place of these also that are accusing because we can fall in both. You know, even as Christians today, we can fall into both categories. So it's always balancing it and taking that measure. Man, I'm here, but I recognize I could also be here at times. You know, so this is what we're looking at. We're looking at from both sides of this and, and really weighing our hearts tonight through all of this and really seeing what's going on. So, you know, and this is what's going on. Again, this is their reaction. This is what they're going to do. But in that, we see that they're going against everything that they teach and that they believe in. And this gives people the bad view of who God is, you know, and, and this is where we have to be careful as Christians that we don't do the same because we never want to misrepresent Christ Jesus. But this is where his Holy Spirit is so great because he helps us in that. You know, he checks me and you convicts our heart. And as long as we keep that willingness and that teachable heart, he will always bring us through that and, and show us so many things through that. He does. Amen. The willingness. The willingness. And this is all going to tie in hand in hand as we look at this because we're looking at a bad, a bad witness, mm -hmm. but we're also seeing a good witness here. Okay. The greater witness. The greater witness. So when they did this, it says, then they secretly instigated men who said, and this is what we were just talking about, what they were doing here. And look what they're saying. We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God, okay? And blasphemous, and then just the simplest, you know, look at the simplest um, definition here. It's great disrespect is shown to God or something that is holy, okay? So they're showing great disrespect. It's showing great disrespect to God or to something that is holy when they're saying this word of blasphemous. So they're accusing Stephen of saying blasphemous words, all right? So let's look at this, because this is nothing different than has happened before. We've seen this before, you know? So let's go to John chapter 5. We're going to go to John chapter 5, verse 30 through 47. We've got quite a bit of scripture here today, guys, but, you know, it's it's part of it, you know? And many times I'm just like, wow, Lord, it's, you know, hey, it's your word, and, and I'd rather be more your word than my word. So we're going to go to John chapter 5, verse 30 through 47, and we're going to see an example here of this same thing going on, and, and let these interview this for us. Yes. <clears throat> Almost there. 
<laughs> it's in your Bible. It is, but there's a lot of books in here. Remember, 66 books I'm looking through. Amen. <laughs> We're going to read 64 of them today, right? <laughs> okay, John 5, verse 30 through 47. So I can do nothing on my own initiative or authority. Just as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is fair, righteous, and unbiased. Because I do not seek my own will, but only the will of him who sent me. If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. There is another, my father, who testifies about me. And I know without any doubt that his testimony on my behalf is true and valid. You have sent an inquiry to John the Baptist, and he has testified as an eyewitness to the truth. But the testimony I receive is not from men, a merely human witness. But I say these things so that you may be saved, that it is to have eternal life. John was a lamp that kept on burning and shining to show you the way, and you were willing for a while to rejoice in this light. But the testimony which I have is far greater than the testimony of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very same works, that is, the miracles and the proofs of my deity that I am now doing testify about me by providing evidence that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent himself testified about me, you have never heard his voice nor seen his form, his majesty and greatness, what he is like. You do not have his word, his scripture abiding in you, actually living in your hearts and minds, because you do not believe in him who he has sent. You search and keep on searching and examining the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And yet it is those very scriptures that testify about me. And you still are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory or approval from men, but I know you and recognize that you do not have the love of God in yourself. I have come in my Father's name and with his power, and you do not receive me because your minds are closed. But if another comes in his own name and with no authority or power except his own, you will receive him and give him your approval to an imposter. How can you believe in me when you seek and receive glory and approval from one another, and yet you do not seek the glory and approval? from which comes from the one and only God. Do not think I am the one who will accuse you before the Father. There already is one who accuses you, Moses, the very one in whom you have placed your hope in for salvation. For if you believed and relied on the scriptures written by Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me personally. But if you do not believe in his writings, how will you believe my words? Wow. Amen. Wow, that answers a lot. Yeah, that, that's if you just go back and read that a little bit more, you'll see that this is he's talking about Moses. Mm -hmm. And this Moses is the one that they put their hope in. This is the one that they follow. And this is the one that they trust the words that are being spoken. So he's speaking some truth here. So when we look at this now, we're going to see it here. He says and um, right here, it says in verse 12. Well, he says, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. So automatically they're going against them and they're saying, you know, they're coming against them and saying, hey, look. But he tells them, my word is not living in you. If it was, you would acknowledge that I am the son of God. You would acknowledge who I am, but they're not. And so this is where he's, you know, he's bringing that out. And they're now accusing Stephen of the same thing that they accused Jesus. Yeah. So it's nothing new. 
they're using the same tactic. They're using actually the same accusation mm -hmm. to come That's against right. Stephen. Yeah, they're using the same thing. They blame, they, they accuse Jesus of being blasphemous. He's God, you know, but again, they use that. They were trying to use that against him. And they're now using this against Stephen as well. So let's look at verse 12 here. It says, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. So now they're stirring up the people. And that word stir up is to throw in commotion, to, to, to throw into commotion, excite, and brought him before the very ones that would teach his law. Well, it's just to throw into commotion or confusion or to excite. To stir up the people is to get everybody going, you know, just to just get them riled up. Get them riled up. That's all it is. Get them riled up. And so right here, this is what's going on. They're stirring up the people now. And we saw this when they crucified Christ. But I want us to realize something here. This is nothing new. Okay. Let's look at Job chapter 2, verse 3. Job chapter 2, verse 3. I never thought I'd be finding this in Job, but I came across this earlier, a little while ago, actually. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And this is Job and the devil talking about, you know, God is talking to the devil about Job, and they're going back and forth. And so all these things have come upon Job. But look in Job chapter 2, verse 3. He says, and the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Okay, so God talks about Job, a man who is willing to turn from evil. So I was looking at that. I was like, okay, so well, if he's turning from evil, then that means his face is constantly towards evil because he's a human being. <laughs> OK, so he's turning away from evil. But not only that, he says, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason, that word incite is to encourage or stir up violent or unlawful behavior. God tells us to Satan, even though you incited me, encourage or stir up violent, unlawful behavior. Is that because you already told him, while well, he's not going to blaspheme you, he's protected, you have a hedge over him. He loves you. He was looking for Job to curse God. And we read in there, but God, Job did not sin against God. But even though, it's not that the devil stirred up God, but what we're seeing there is even through the stirring up, no matter what goes on, and even through this stirring up here, we must not forget who's in control. Mm -hmm. who's, always in control. who's always in control. So even though they're stirring up the people here, it doesn't mean that God's not in control. He is in control. And this is what we're looking at here. So think about it this way. They brought him, back to verse 12 in Acts, they brought him before the very ones that taught this law. And the main group here was the Sadducees, okay? The Sadducees are ones who was so called who only accepted and studied the writings of Moses, which can be found in Genesis to Deuteronomy. They only followed this and accepted these teachings. So for them to come and say he's blaspheming against Moses and God, 
they're definitely now the Sanhedrin. I mean, the, the Sadducees and all these leaders, they're going to come in now. They're like, all right. So they're getting everyone involved now. And they're bringing this accusation against Stephen because they want to see something done. And I put here, they falsely accused against their customs. Customs and religion are nice, but they can't save you if you don't understand why you do them. Or in our case, who they're really about. And understand it's a matter of the hearts. See, the customs and all that is very nice. And, and the Bible teaches customs and teaches different things. But it was always meant to get to the people's hearts. Because that's always what God is after. Mm -hmm. It was all a shadow of who Jesus is. It all represents Jesus. Because it all has to do with the relationship in a matter of the heart. Let's look at, we're going to go to Romans chapter 2, verse 17 to 29. And I'm going to read here for sake of time, because I know we're getting close here on time. But Romans chapter 2, verse 17 through 29. He says, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? So he's instructing them, but you also responsible for also teaching yourself. He says, while you preach against stealing, do you steal? You say that one must not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Ooh. You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you. He's telling this to the Jewish people. He's saying, and the leaders here, because, because of how you live and because you preach and teach all this, but you live otherwise, you are blaspheming God. You're the blasphemer because you're disrespecting God. And you're saying all these things, but you're not living them. You're telling people, don't steal, but yet you steal. Don't commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? See, as me and Letty are here today, one of the things we have to realize, and I have, we have to realize is that if I'm going to preach and teach this, I also have to also receive it for myself. Mm -hmm. wow. I have to allow my heart, and we have to allow our hearts to be convicted. Yeah. I mean, it's just a reality. You know, it's, it's, it's something that comes in any type of relationship. As, as we are married, I have to realize that as we, as we discuss things and, and things that you talk to me about and I talk to you about, but yet I don't ever look at it like you, 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 or me, 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 though at times we probably want to, but you know, but at the That's same, nature part of it. <laughs> but at the same time, because of a relationship, we always, I always have to be open and realize what we're saying or you're saying to me, or I'm saying to you, I also have to bring for myself. It has to start with me. If I'm not willing to do it, then why am I going to expect you to do it? That's where the listening comes in. Yeah, that's where the listening. Because it's a relationship, and we want to grow in this relationship. But the relationship can't just be one-sided. Yeah. <laughs> Our one side will be buff and the other all limpy. Yeah. So he's telling them this, and he's, he's putting it back on them in this scripture. And he says in verse 25, For circumcision indeed is a value if you obey the law. 
But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn one, you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outwardly and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the spirit, not by the letter, his praise is not from man, but from God. It's all about the matter of the heart. See, God is after the heart. And these actions are showing that this word is not coming from their heart. I'm gonna let's I'm gonna turn here real quick. I'm gonna read this Matthew 23, because we've read this plenty of times. 23, verse 1 through 4. He says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do not observe whatever they I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you. So he's saying they sit on the seat of Moses, so do whatever they tell you, because it's the law of Moses, the law of God. Genesis to Deuteronomy. Okay, So he's telling them, no, listen to the word. But not the works they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear, and they lay on them on them people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. He's teaching about those. He's saying the word is good. And many times we might want to use it, well, that man's not living right, or we may not agree, or I don't like the way so-and-so is, or, you know, you may get a word of God and be like, well, I don't know about this. But one thing I've learned in my life, if it's the word of God, it's the word of God. Yes, it's my responsibility and our responsibility to make sure it's not getting twisted. But if it's the word of God and it's bringing conviction to my heart, then I better be willing to say, God, I'm going to take your word for what it says. Now, maybe the person is, you know, whatever, but I'm not going to look at the person. I'm going to look at the word that is being preached and the word of God that is coming forth. That's what we have to be listening and looking out for. It's like I shared on Sunday about there have been many men in my life and many whom I have respected, but there's also many that I haven't respected. But yet God used them as a father figure or used some kind of example in my life. And even though, but what I did take is I took what was good. And therefore, he's telling them, he goes, listen to what they're saying. It's, it's the law of Moses. It's good. But just don't do as they do because they preach it, but they don't practice it. So we still have a responsibility to adhere to that word. So even though these men are not doing the right thing, but yet the word of, that, they're, that they're proclaiming, the word is, is good. The word, don't of, have to listen. Yeah, the word of God is still good. So don't ever get that wrong there. But we're seeing this and he's bringing this to light and we're getting to see all that Jesus is saying, see, Stephen is becoming an example of exactly what Jesus preached, exactly what Jesus said would happen. Mm -hmm. And he's using that. And he's saying, these are the fruits. This is how you're going to know them. Mm -hmm. And this is all being unfolded. All these scriptures we just read right now, we are seeing all this coming to pass. Remember, this is the early church. This is the start of the persecution, even greater of the church. And we're starting to see the true colors and we're seeing all that Jesus talked about coming to light. Yeah. It's exciting. 
Okay, so in verse 13, it says, and they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak word against words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So there they go. Now they're proclaiming this to the San, you know, to the Sanhedrin, to the Jewish leaders, to the scribes, to the to um, the Sadducees, everything. And they're saying, these are the things that we've heard. We've heard him say these things. And again, nothing new. No. Accusation, there's nothing new. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 59 through 61, you will see at Jesus' trial, they brought people also coming up and saying, we heard this man say he will destroy the temple and build it in three days. Same words. Same words, but they twisted it because they didn't understand it. Because in John chapter 2, verse 18 through 22, he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. But it goes on to say he was talking about his body, the temple of God. Himself. Himself. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand the words. And I put here, they misinterpreted but what's, what's amazing is, is the power of believing what Jesus says, because eventually he showed them because they believe this is what brings me a new life today. Because we believe the words of Jesus. Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. And he did that. That the resurrection. And it was a matter of believing the words of Jesus. And in that, the Bible says in John 6, 63, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Mm -hmm. Our job and our responsibility as Christians today is to believe the word of God. And because we believe it, God will reveal it and bring you understanding by his spirit. And not only that, but he'll also show us through it, through circumstance, through suffering, through situations through different things in our world mm -hmm. he will always bring that to me and you because we believe his word that's where we start is believing his word and believing what he says they didn't believe his word and not only that they took his words and they twisted them for their own way for their own custom for what they wanted it to say Lies. It's a dangerous place. Mm -hmm. But how many of us know that the Bible says to pick up your cross daily yeah. and follow me? Whoever wants to be my disciple, the Bible says, pick up your cross daily and follow me is deny yourself. Sometimes as a Christian, we will have to deny ourselves. We'll have to put ourselves in a place where we're going to have to trust the Lord and trust what his word says. I put here the cost because Stephen believed he will see the glory of God and also the glory of God will also be seen in him. Because this next part of the scriptures, we're going to close up in verse 15. It says, as all this was being done as they brought him before all these leaders and these accusations are going forward. It says, and gazing at him 
all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And, you know, I always picture like, you know, those pictures where they have the little circle around the saints and all that and everything. Or I picture like this. Oh, you know, I think last week I was doing the video. I think it was on Tuesday. And I looked, you know, I was looking to see if I had a message on my phone for a prayer. And all of a sudden, the, the phone started glowing on my face. And I saw it. And I was like, no, no, guys, it's not, it's not anything. It's the phone glowing on my face. And, you know, I picture this. But when I was looking at an angel, all it really broke it down was a messenger. Mm -hmm. messenger. An angel is a messenger of God. So when they saw that his face was that like of an angel, don't get me wrong. I mean, that, that I'm pretty sure they, you know, saw, but they also saw him as a messenger because that's what an angel is, not just a representation, but an angel is a messenger of God. And, and maybe they did see the glory of God. They saw this glow. They just saw this peace upon this man. But the Bible says, and every time we look at an angel of the Lord in, in the Bible, the angel was always bringing a message from God. Angels foretold the birth of Jesus, foretold the birth of John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. Instruction. Instruction, you know, came and told, you know, um, uh, Moses about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, all these different things, but they were always messages mm -hmm. from God. So when they saw his face, saw that his face was like the face of an angel, that means there was a message to be heard mm -hmm. and to be seen in all of this. Yeah. A message that is about to be brought forth because every time God brings a message, it's not to destroy anyone. It's to give people hope mm -hmm. and a chance and an opportunity to repent. It's always to bring the message of God is always brought forth. So someone and everyone will have an opportunity to believe in him to turn from evil, to turn from our wicked ways and to repent and to turn to God and to receive his forgiveness, to have a restored relationship with him. Let's look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 39, 29 to 36. Let's see if you can read that, please. Matthew 23, verse 39 to 36. I might have wrote down the wrong scripture. Yeah. 29 to 36, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's it. 29 to 36. Woe to you, self-righteous scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build tombs for the prophets and decorate and adorn the monuments of the righteous. And you say, if we had been living in these days of our fathers, we would not have joined them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murder the prophets. Fill up then... The allotted measure of the guilt of your father's sins, you serpents, you spawns of vipers. How can you escape the penalty of hell? Therefore, take notice, I am sending, your sending you prophets and wise men, interpreters, teachers, and scribes, men educated in the Mosaic law and the writings of the prophets. Some of them you will kill and even crucify, and some you will flog with your, in your synagogues and pursue and persecute from city to city. So that unto you will come the guilt of all the blood of the righteous shed on earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah the priest, the son of 
Barakah, whom you murdered between the temple of the altar. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the judgment for all these things, these vile and murderous deeds will come on this generation. Wow. So he starts to tell him, he says, all the things that your fathers did, killing the prophets, and you build the tombs for these prophets that your own fathers killed, you yourselves will also fall into this place that you will kill those who bring my word. But I want us to see something there. Jesus himself says, you will go through with it. Mm -hmm. you catch that? He says, you will go through with it. Because this message that Jesus is preaching must come to pass. And they must see the message of the Lord Jesus Christ so that their guilt would be upon their own head. Still have an opportunity to repent. But that is the word of the Lord that this would happen. And now we're starting to see this happen. This word is coming to pass. And Stephen is being prepared to bring this message to life. But in order for this message to come to life, it's going to cost Stephen his physical life. But just like in Job, just like with Jesus, God was still there and in control because he spoke it. Mm -hmm. Jesus died on the cross, not because the Jewish people, the Romans did, no, no. This was because God the Father intended it to be so. That was God the Father's plan. He spoke it ahead of before. He spoke it. And we benefit today and the world benefits today because of that word that was spoken and the message that was brought forth and not only brought forth, but fulfilled. Now, Stephen is in a place where the message of God is now being fulfilled and being shown. And they're seeing the presence of God, just like when Moses would come down. You can find it in Exodus 34, chapter 34, verse 34 to 35. It says when Moses would come down, that the glory of God would shine upon Moses's face. It was so bright that he would have to put a veil over his face because the glory was so great. And now the people here are seeing the presence of God in Stephen's face. They're seeing the presence of God over in Stephen's face. But yet that same veil that covered Moses' face was also covering the hearts of these people here that were stirring up the people and bringing these accusations against Stephen. But nevertheless, God is in control. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read verse 7 through 18 here. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 7 says this, Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was a glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in any glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. 
For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Hallelujah. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So imagine this. They are having an opportunity. They are seeing the very presence of God shown in Stephen's face. I mean, whoever this looked was, I, you know, we don't know. But they're definitely seeing that his face was like that of an angel. Mm -hmm. They're seeing the presence of God. And there is a message of God being shown through Stephen. And not only that, in the next chapter, we will see Stephen start to speak and to teach and to declare. And they will also be given an opportunity to repent and turn to the living God. Because the only way that that veil can be removed from their heart, the only way that they can come to know and be able to see the glory of God will be to turn to the living God in Jesus Christ so that they can have freedom and that that veil can be lifted from their hearts as that veil has been lifted upon our hearts and all those today who choose to put their faith in Christ Jesus and believe in who he is. See, Stephen is the message. We see a, we see. The life of those that are coming against Stephen, but they're really coming against Christ. And we're seeing a bad example of the lives and the fruits of those who teach it, preach it, but don't live it. But we're also seeing another man by the name of Stephen, a servant of God, one who God was doing great works through. We're seeing this man's life put on display as a message and Christ being able to be seen in him but a man who is now going to have to lay down his life for the sake of the message of the gospel, who will be an example to those, but it's not so much in his words, but it's in his actions. It's in his life. And it's a man who was here, who's put in a place. They seized him. That word seized is to be brought by force, violently. These men, they stirred up and they grabbed him violently and they brought him forth and they demanded that he be questioned. But nevertheless, they saw that his face was like that of an angel. They were seeing the presence of God, the message of the Lord through this man, Stephen, but it wasn't through all that he said and didn't do, it was all that he was about to go through and everything that he was going through. And many times we don't understand that what we go through, what we face as Christians today as the body of Christ, what we have to go through. We talked about on Sunday, are you suffering? Have you ever suffered abundantly? But how great it is that we also have the comfort of God abundantly. 
And you never realize how much you can touch someone's life just by believing and trusting in the Lord and continuing to love him and praise him and serve him. Because many will see the glory of God in your life and in your face when you allow the presence of God to be revealed in your heart and in your life, when you allow the word of God to penetrate your heart, allow the word of God to convict your heart, to cause there to at least want there to be a change. I wrote here, goes to show it's not us, but it's him, his spirit that is seen through us as we live a life trusting him, believing him, living in him, and one day dying in him, but then having also eternal life with him. His message is alive in me and you because we believe in him. Others through us can also have that same opportunity. Isn't that amazing? It is. That others through our lives will have that same opportunity because of Christ in me and you today. And no matter what situation we're put in, our backs against the wall or whatever may happen or has happened in different things, but because you know who your faith is in and because you believe what Jesus says and we believe the word of God and we believe that we have the spirit of God today, you never realize what people and who people will see in you. And our desire has to be as Lord, I want them to see you in my life. I want them to see you through me because I want them to also be able to have their hearts uncovered through the gospel, through the good news of you, Lord Jesus. And no matter what may come and no matter what people may say or no matter how many things may come forth or how we see the world today or what's unraveling or, you know, all these different things, doesn't matter. Because we believe and know that God is in control of it all. Nothing surprises God. He's aware of everything, all the schemes, all the things that are plotted, everything that is done in the dark. God will bring to the light. He always has. But just because we may see some things that go through or come out a certain way that maybe we didn't expect, it doesn't mean God wasn't in control. But we do know and believe that God can still be glorified through it. Yes. And if the message is through what me and you go through today, then praise be to God. Because thank God that his word can be alive and found in our lives, in your lives, and for all those today that have put their faith in Christ. Because it's amazing when you see someone going through so much, you know, so many different things and just sometimes just internal stuff in our mind and our heart, sickness in the body, heart, whatever it may be, loss. But yet when you see the glory of God upon that person's life, that glow, just that peace about that person, you know, some might not like it. Some might reject it. Some may, nah, you know, or like I said, or we talked about earlier, oh, that's good for you. But others may will be drawn like, what is it about this person? How do you do it? What's the difference in this? And that's when that opportunity is able to open up to see, wow, this person's different. But it's not you or me. It's the glory of God being seen in our lives. It's the heart because you love God and we love God. And for all those that love God, you know what? There is such a great power in the love of God. There is. To see the love of God and share it and for others to witness it, that's, that's it. Yeah. 
Amen. They saw his face as that like an angel, a messenger of God. Our prayer is, is that, Lord, let the world see us as a face of an angel, but as a messenger of God that we would bring forth the message, but in our lives, not just our words, but our actions. Living for God. God. How do we do that? We love God. Keep loving God. Stay in a walk in a life of repentance and allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, but also Mm -hmm. allowing the Holy Spirit to change us. Mm -hmm. To transform us. To transform us. It's a lifelong process, guys. We're not in control how many days, how many years that we have here but we can trust and believe that he is faithful to complete that work in us. So don't give up. Don't allow your shortcomings to, to, um, to bring you to a place like that, but do acknowledge our shortcomings, do acknowledge and take responsibility for those areas in that area, in that way, but that we can continue to repent Mm -hmm. and allow the Lord to bring about that change. But not only that, but to teach us, to teach us and recognize that Lord's because I believe in you today, Lord God. It's not an opportunity or an excuse to sin, no. But at the same time, it's also to be careful that we don't become Mm self-righteous and we don't start to look at others and start to weigh our lives and what we do based on what others do and don't do. No. It's putting our faith in Christ Jesus and Him alone. That others can come to that same thing. Amen? And whatever we do, and, you know, maybe we do have our customs and different things, but it's because we love God and we realize it's God's love for us and recognizing it's all about Jesus. Amen. So I'm looking forward to getting into Acts chapter 7 as we start that next week again. Encourage you if you want to get a jump start on it. I mean, a head start on a jump start, a head start on it. Head start and start reading that, praise the Lord, and and start to see all that God uses Stephen to bring forth the word of God. And, uh, you know, be surprised many times that how the Lord will just bring forth scripture through our hearts as the Holy Spirit leads us. Amen. Amen. So we're so grateful for all that God is doing. And you know, we just want to thank you guys for joining us tonight and being a part of, of what God is doing. And, and uh, through all these, you know, different and crazy times, you know, but it's just amazing to be able to have a peace of knowing. But yet, God, we know you're in control and we know that, um, you know, that you're working all this out. So, Lord, you're teaching us through it. It all has to happen. Mm-hmm. He's not here yet. So all this has to happen to be fulfilled. Yeah. And I believe that many are seeing God in your lives mm-hmm. and many of our brothers and sisters today. And, uh, you know, and don't be impatient that the Lord will open up that door of opportunity to start to share the gospel mm-hmm. wherever we can and start to share the love of God. And as others are starting to see, like, man, there's, there, has to be a little, there has to be more to this. Mm-hmm. You know, there has to be more to this. So, you know, we're just thankful to the Lord for the, the outlet to be able to have these Bible studies, to have, you know, the, the services and just for all of you guys and all the outlets that God is using in your life. So, you know, it's, it's just a blessing as brothers and sisters in Christ. Keep up the good work, guys. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to close up in a, in a word of prayer tonight. If you have any prayer requests, feel free to place them here on the chat board. Um, we would uh, we would definitely like to uh, lift those up in prayer. If uh, you're not on the chat, that's fine. Just lift them up to the Lord. We're going to come together in prayer tonight as we as we give to the Lord. You know, just thanking him for that. Brother Richard, we do see you there. Sister Alice, God bless you. Sister Amber, um, everybody on here today, God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us tonight. And we're just excited for that. Amen.